This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 445. And the quote of the day is, experience is the teacher of all things. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, boys and girls? Nick Ruffini here, episode 445 of the podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope things are all happening in your world. And I've been getting a lot of feedback recently. I don't know why, but but it seems like I've been getting more feedback about the podcast in general lately. So uh, if you've written me or sent me a message on social or anything, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate the feedback. Keep the feedback coming. I love hearing from everyone. I love hearing you know, what you're digging about the podcast, what you're not digging about it, uh, questions, anything. So feel free, if you're ever thinking about reaching out, please do. I respond to everyone. And if I don't, it's not purposely, uh, I don't like purposely ignore anyone. So if you've ever sent me a message and I didn't get back to you, hit me up again. You're not bugging me. Sometimes emails and, and messages and stuff like that just fall through the cracks. So uh, so that's that. Hey, by the way, we're giving away a pair of Ultimate Ear in-ear monitors. They're like $600 in-ear monitors. Uh, UE is giving them away ultimate ears. So you can go to drummersresource.com forward slash monitor, M-O-N-I-T-O-R to uh, enter to win. And you can enter like every day. So if you do certain things, you get more points towards your, or more entries into uh, into the hat, so to speak. So check that out. Go to drummersresource.com forward slash monitor, M-O-N-I-T-O-R and enter to win. Like I said, you can, you can enter to win uh as many times as you want up until November 30th. Now, today's conversation, I'm super, super pumped to get Adam Nussbaum on here. I've been wanting to get him on for a while. We sort of went back and forth with email and and rescheduling and things like that as that typically happens. But if you're not familiar with his work, I'm just going to give you a little bit of of brief of uh, you know a brief history. He's played with Dave Liebman, John Schofield, Stan Getz, Michael Brecker. Uh, he was in the Gil Evans Orchestra. He played with John Abercrombie, and he is a monster, monster player. Uh, and the message of how you're supposed to learn, or how how you should be learning from experience, and we talk a lot about you know, you can't get that out of a book and you need to be playing with people older than you and just some really great information from Adam in here and, and a, just a great conversation. I can't believe that uh, I finally got him on because I've been wanting to for a while. So I'm going to get out of the way and I'm going to let Adam talk. Let's get into it with Adam Nussbaum. Adam, thank you so much for being a part of this. I can't tell you how much it means to sit down and chat with you finally. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. Of course. It's been a long time coming. And I feel like I say this a lot on these interviews that uh, that it's been a long time coming because we're, you know, we don't we don't have nine to five gigs. We travel. We're always on, you know, we're always on the move. We're always on the road. Things pop up. Things get canceled, moved around. It's so funny. You and I, a lot of the times where you know, I would email you and it's like, Hey, how, how about next week? And you're like, Oh no, I'll be, I'm out of town next week. I'm traveling. How about the week after? And I'm like, I'm out of town that week. How about the next week? And it's like back and forth and back and forth. It's like everyone that I suggested you were out of town and vice versa. Well, here we are. And we are here. So I want to, I want to ask you something about, I remember reading that you, when you first heard 
first you, you heard uh, Jimi Hendrix and you were completely blown away. And then you heard Coltrane and you were like, wait a minute, that dude on the drum sounds like Mitch, Mitch Mitchell, which <laughs> yeah. is like the idea of like, right, the cart before the horse kind of thing. Like I did the same thing growing up. I listened to hip hop and then I heard James Brown and I was like, oh, this James Brown guy is like stealing all these hip hop guys beats, which obviously is the other way around. Um, but what was it about? What was it about Mitch Mitchell or Elvin, whoever, whoever you want to talk about that, that did it for, like, what was it that really did it for you? What was it that you heard? What was it? Can you describe sort of that, that feeling or that, that, you know, that rawness that, that you experienced? Well, I got to give a little background. Um, when I first heard Hendrix, I think I was 11, 12 years old and you know, that's a pivotal time in a person's life. Mm -hmm. You're going through puberty, things are changing. And it was also a period of time with what was happening in the world where a lot was changing. This was 67, 68. Mm -hmm. And it was a very turbulent time, I'd say. And there was a lot going on with politics, social change, many things were happening. I was changing. Everything was changing. Mm -hmm. and Plus you're in the heart of, Vietnam, of the Vietnam War, right? Yeah. I mean, this was the, that was going on. You know, we had, it was around the time when Bobby Kennedy was on the scene, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, the whole civil, you know, many things were in a state of flux. Mm -hmm. And, uh, being a young man and uh, somebody who was into music, it was also when I saw the cover of Are You Experienced, that kind of knocked me out too. Because we were starting to deal with bands that were mixing up the, the different races, thank goodness. Mm -hmm. You know, Sly and the Family Stone was on the scene. Bands were mixing it up more. It just wasn't the white and the black or the black or the white. Things were starting to come together. And I remember being fascinated by seeing that cover. There's Jimi Hendrix, and he's got these two British cats with him. And they all had, like, the same hairdo, <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of far. But hearing that music, it was like something that you could definitely hear that it was rooted in a tradition. Mm -hmm. Jimmy was like the blues man from another planet. And he, whatever he did, you really felt like the blues and, and a connection to the things that had happened before. But he was also such a forward thinker. And in that band, and he had a vision, and in that band, the way Mitch played, he just wasn't laying down a groove. He was an interactive part of what was happening. And it was the constant dialogue. It was with somebody who was a pretty much almost an equal participant in the sum of what was happening in the music mm -hmm. and just the way it was kind of dancing and flowing and the way they were throwing ideas back and forth. It was something that intrigued me. And then about six months later, I heard the, the album Africa brass. And that was like the same thing you mentioned. You know, when I heard Elvin, I said, wow, he sounds like the guy from Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and so I'm really grateful that that opened up the door for me 
Mm-hmm. And uh, what, what's fascinating is the other day I found a cassette, an original reprise cassette of a twin pack cassette. It was called one side was, are you experienced? And the other side was uh, Axis Bold as Love. Nice. And I'm still driving an old car that has a cassette machine in it. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm driving the car, and I put that cassette on. And having heard that rec- those records so many times, it's just such a satisfying feeling to hear something that you're so acquainted with and feels like an old friend. Mm-hmm. And it takes you right back to where the first time you heard it. Well, it also, it's something you know pretty intimately where you can really sing along with everything. Right. I heard these records hundreds of hundreds of times, and I'm just thinking it made me feel so good, and then when the cassette was done playing, it broke. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it was like, (laughs) and it was so old, and who knows the last time it had been played. I found Uh it in a pile. But it was uh, it was great, and I was just amazed at how great it sounds, and it's completely timeless. That record, I mean, mm-hmm. anything that's of that quality transcends time frames and style. Yeah, for the sure. The content is so high, and <sighs> they're all so committed with how they're playing. It was incredible to hear again, and. Uh, you know, it's it still sounds like it could have been done tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say that's one of the things that that blows, and not just about about Hendrix, but just when people can put out a record that you can listen to it and you don't know if it was recorded in 1968 or 2018, and it doesn't yeah. matter. Like it just it transcends time. That I think is obviously the mark of a of a of a great album, but getting to it's that substance over style. Hmm. It's hmm. really never heard it. Never heard it like phrased like that. Well, that's to me. That's the important elements that have to be regarded. You know, styles come and go, but having substance and foundation with what's going on. You know, Jimmy was rooted in the blues, but he also had like another point of view. And was looking deep into other places that hadn't really been explored yet. Mm-hmm. And to me, all my favorite musicians have that combination of a firm understanding of the foundational elements and still have vision. Mm-hmm. Where they're still looking and searching for things. So I Do guess that's that- one of those things that, to me, transcends time. Do you think that there's there's less, or let me rephrase that. Do you think that there's more music that's being created now that has a quote-unquote expiration date on it versus 20 or 30 years ago or farther back? Um, with what I'm exposed to, I would have to somewhat agree with that statement. I'm hearing a little too much of not enough. <laughs> it's a little too much of not enough. I like that. Yeah, that's another phrase I have. <laughs> but I think it's it's something because uh, it's just um, I wonder when I hear some music now. I mean, for me, 
you got to have a good song. You have to have a great song. You got to have a great melody. I mean, for me, whatever zone of music you're in, hopefully you'll have something that is simple enough for people to be able to sing and remember. Sure. And sometimes I'm hearing things where, and of course there are people who are out here in the scene that are, you know, wonderful songwriters and things like that. But I'm not, I think there may be a little overabundance right now of some things happening that don't really knock me out too much. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm old fashioned or what I'm conditioned to, but great, great songs are great songs. I mean, right. When you hear a Stevie wonder, those are some great songs. You hear some good songs that came out of sting. You hear some good songs that came out of earth, wind and fire. I mean, Mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell. I mean, people that have created something of, of, that resonates with you. Right. I'm not you know, thinking I, of drums when I when, when I'm thinking of music, I don't think about drums. Drums right. is the last thing I'm thinking about. Mhm. I was just watching think- an interview yesterday with with John Mayer and it was from a, a while ago. I think it was from, you know, the early 2000s and he went back to Berkeley and they were asking him questions about, you know, about growing your fan base and, you know, quote unquote, making it and all this stuff. And he he sort of just cut the person off and was like, good songs. The answer is always good songs. If you have good songs, everything else will fall into place. Like the best way to get, you know, attention is to have a line around the building for people coming in to hear good songs. And yeah, there has to be something there. There has to be to me, a good melody. I was going to ask, what do you what what do you think are the the uh, the elements of a great song? Because what I think happens is I don't think anyone's putting out a song and says, "Man, this is this is a really shitty song." I think people are putting out a song and they're saying, "This is the this is the, a great tune that I just that I just finished and I'm I'm really proud of it," but it may not be a good song. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope that everybody's doing what they're doing with a sense of uh, honesty and integrity and, and trying to be truthful with what's going on. I mean, you can, you can feel when things are sincere, you would hope, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, a a, a good song to me is something where, I mean, if we're not even talking about a lyric, having, you know, lyric is another component. Uh, you, a, a lyric can bring something else to a, to a song. But having a good melody, something that's memorable, something that is something that stays with you, right? And then a melody is going to be laying on uh, some sort of harmonic grid of some sort, some kind of harmonic foundation. I mean, somebody once said, "Well, if you look at you know the blues, the blues is twelve bars. The blues could be, if you look at it by itself, could be like a naked body." The melody that you put on that blues would be the clothes. Maybe it's a, you know, tenor madness. That would be a blue shirt. Maybe a now's the time would be a green shirt. But the the frame and the structure is still the same. It's just the melody that's over the changes is different. Mm-hmm. So you hopefully you're going to have a combination of a nice melody and changes or not. You don't have to have changes as such. 
but something that's going to resonate with the listener mm-hmm. and something that people are going to be able to uh, basically hum or have something, you know? Right. I, I'm not looking at music as a, as a math and a science project. Mm-hmm. All my favorite musicians, whatever element or whatever style they're in, element is the wrong word, I apologize, whatever style of music it is, whether it's rock, jazz, classical, if it's happening, you're going to feel something on an emotional level where you're going to get moved by it. And uh, when you hear a great artist being able to play a melody and being able to get give you some kind of feeling, that's uh, that to me is when it, it's it's the real deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think some of the greatest musicians in the world, some of the greatest in any style, they don't even have to improvise. When you hear somebody just be able to sing a melody or play a melody and get you through interpretation where you feel something and it grabs you, that's that's special. Mm-hmm. That's the real deal. Do you think that that's something that people are born with or that's something that you can develop over time? I think people- it's something that can be developed over time. Yeah. But you also have to learn how you have to try to connect with what you're trying to express. It's that mm-hmm. old thing. It's not what you do. It's the way you do it. Right. And how you get inside something. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, some people may have more of a natural gift than others, but then other people really work hard at it and learn how to interpret. I mean, I always find it fascinating to listen to different pieces of classical music being interpreted by different artists. And the same thing with jazz songs or rock songs. You know, listen to a standard song, like listen to a uh, Body and Soul or something like that. Hear 10 different people... Uh, Find their way of expressing that. Listen to great singers sing it. Listen to great instrumentalists play it. Mm-hmm. Get inside it. Hear how different people bring interpretation to the music. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the homework that you got to do too. So you yeah. start to develop an idea about what's been. I think you really need to do uh, investigating in order to become enlightened. A lot of younger people I know, they, they don't check things out. It's like, well, how do you even know what's going on if you've never even checked it out? Right. It's like, you know, you play basketball and they gave you a book and a ball, but you never saw the game played. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're playing instrument, you're not just going to learn it from a book. You've got to hear people that did it better than you mm-hmm. and have people that set a standard and gave you something to aspire towards. Yep. You have to, you have to realize there's something to be learned by people that have been doing it longer than you have. Yeah. I think you can't learn experience. (laughs) You can't learn experience. You cannot learn experience. And I think it's a hard, I think it's a hard thing because yeah, I say this a lot, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. And everyone thinks that, you know, what they're playing, not maybe not everyone, but a lot of times people think that what they're, playing or how they're playing is killing but it's actually not at all uh and and this may be a hard question to answer but like how do you how do you suggest people do that how do you suggest people learn how to 
learn how to uh, dig deeper into this stuff and 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 interpret this music differently and really hear what's going on instead of like sort of what I just called like some surface learning where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I checked out that one Coltrane record. I get it. Like I've heard Alvin play. Okay, next. And and really dig inside of it to where you're you sort of go below that level and you start to really see or really hear what's going on, how these things are invest right now. We're, we're in a time where everybody has everything instantly accessible Mm -hmm. and the ability for people to comprehend is not as fast as what technology is throwing at us. Uh, it used to be, if you wanted to learn something, you would listen to it over and over and over and over again, where mm-hmm. is something that just didn't start to get into your head, but it would start to get into your body. I mean, just think of the, uh, well, I'm going to back up on something. Think of all the things that we do now that we don't think about doing. Think about walking. Think about mm-hmm. talking. We didn't instantly succeed at this. Right. There was consistent failure over and over and over again. And by continually failing, we kept persisting. And through our will and our desire, we eventually got to do it. And now we're at the point, just like we're speaking now, we're not thinking about the mechanical process. Right. When you're playing music, hopefully you're not thinking about the mechanical process. Mm-hmm. That's why you practice. That's why you do things over and over and over again. Because when you're out there and you're playing music, especially if you're playing improvised music, how do I take care of what's going on with the other people on the bandstand who I'm responsible to if I'm thinking about me? Mm-hmm. And I think we are now in a position, something that I used to do consistently, and I still do it, and I still learn every time I do it. I'm consistently recording myself. Yeah, that's huge. huge. I mean, because you, when you're playing, you can't be second-guessing what you're doing when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. you got to be in there. You have to be in the moment. Now... Right. Like you said, you might think it's killing, and then you go back and you hear it, and it's sad. Now, (laughs) record yourself. Don't judge yourself while you're playing. Record yourself. Check yourself out. Check yourself out, especially as a drummer. You have to check yourself out in the context of a band situation. Right. You have to hear how are you serving the music. What is the music telling you to play? I did it, that. That's the most important thing. I uh, I found an old modern drummer the other day. I've been going through things in my house, and it was the uh, interview that I did. I think it was in '94, and the the subtext was I am third. And a buddy of mine saw it. He goes, "What do you mean I am third? And I said, "Well, the first thing is music. The music is the information. The second thing." is the people I'm playing with. I'm the third component. 
because depending how the other people play, that second component, that's going to affect what I do. Because depending on who I'm playing with, you have a piece mm -hmm. of music, you have Stairway to Heaven, you play with some uh, little rock and roll metal heads, that's going to be one thing. You play with some old Dixieland cats, it's going to be another. <laughs> you play with some hip-hop cats, it's going to be another. You play with some speed metal guys, it's going to be another. You play with some bebop cats, it's going to be another. You play with some more free kind of players, it's going to be another. Now, my job is I got to optimize whatever that situation is that I'm thrown in with. That's mm -hmm. why you're going to work. Yep. Yep. So I, I think it's, it's, for, it's necessary. If you're a young musician, you just can't look at the tip of the iceberg. Everybody's got their heroes. You got to go back and you got to check out the foundations of where things are by me becoming aware when I was 13, 14 of Elvin Jones. Then I started to research things about him. Who did he like to listen to? Who were the people that affected his development? I started to check them out. Mm -hmm. And the information is out there. That's the best. That's sort of the, 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 uh, more the than ever the blessing and the curse though. Right. Yeah, because you still you still need a tour guide. Mm -hmm. That's why you need to have mentors, and you also need to sometimes have good teachers along the way. And when I'm saying teachers, it might be musical colleagues. I mean, I was very fortunate as a young man. I was playing with people that were always older than me. Right. And, and, and generally speaking, they were... I was learning by doing. I wasn't learning by learning. Right. And uh, and a guy giving you a look on the bandstand might be worth a semester in school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, can I, say I, that I, I went from gigs. from the time I was 13, 14 years old, I was playing gigs. So Yeah, that's insane. And all different kinds of things. And I I've always been very global with my musical appreciation. I, I I love all kinds of good music. I like good music, honest music. I I consider myself a musical eracist. I like that. I mean, you know, you got to get in there. If you're playing something, you want to be playing it, not playing at it. Right. And I yep. think it's very important. You know, anybody who's out there. You got to just record yourself. Check yourself out. How does it sound? You know, be kind to yourself first. Listen to what sounds good. And then you start to get down to the minutiae and the details of what makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Why, you know, if you, if you want to know why somebody's playing something, you have to be aware of what motivated them to do it. For me, when I'm playing, there's... Oh, I'm, I'm responding to everything I'm hearing. The music tells me something, the way the other players play do it, and I'm reacting and responding and trying to help keep everything happening. Mm -hmm. I'm trying so to interact, but I don't want to interfere. It's not about me. It's about we. I'm part of a situation when I'm up there. Right. I'm not getting hired because I take drum solos. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> really. 
That's not why you're going to work. <laughs> Wait a minute. I've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> That I mean, I think that it's such a it's such a hard thing to learn when when you're talking about it and you sort of you can't so you know if someone's listening and they're thinking man how do like how do I get to that level how do I how do I start hearing things differently than me playing a beat and then some guy just playing a bass line over top of it and and that's it and one of the things that you had mentioned is uh is you know listening to things over and over and over again and as you were saying that i was thinking think about i was thinking about how i learned things when i was younger and like i can tell you every single one of my childhood friends phone numbers and addresses of course but now i couldn't tell you the first number of any one of my friends phone numbers well also and, when you're young the hard drive isn't so full valid point valid point and it's, it's, I think it's very important to understand that in the process of trying to learn something, it's great if it happens early in your life. Also, I think that's a, a, a wonderful, just inherent advantage mm -hmm. when you're young and you're exposed to the things that really can make a difference. They they settle in deeper. Makes and sense. I, I, I know I was very fortunate because I never studied drums when I was young. I studied piano. Mm, me too. So I, I came to the drums from music. I didn't come to music from the drums. Right. And I never took and a drum lesson until I was 13 years old. But I played better than most of my friends who were taking drum lessons. Because I was just the approach. music. I wasn't thinking about drums. I had no idea what's a parrot at all. I had no clue. <laughs> right. yeah, I, at that point, I was just listening and watching. I mean, totally monkey see, monkey do. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember seeing Ringo on uh, Ed Sullivan's show. And How, anybody what did, what did I that had do a for chance you? to hear, anybody I had a chance to hear when I was a kid and see was somebody who I was uh, taken by. Anybody. Sure. Through example. Yeah. I think that, like, it, it, it's just not, I mean, and not to go down like a negative word, I just don't, I just don't see that happening now because I think everything is flying at everyone so quickly. And the other side of it is like the information overload where people think that they have to learn everything all the time. And it's like, you don't have to, you know, sure. You should try to learn everything. You just can't learn it all at the same time. Simple, basic things will never change. The first things you have to learn is you have to have good time, all right? Some people have better time than others. You can work on developing your time. I mean, I got my time more together by playing with bass players who played great. I don't mm -hmm. play with drummers. Right. <laughs> I got more from listening to great cats play. Right. Great, great bass players, getting to play with great bass players. Mm-hmm. 
and and there's fundamental things that are are, are never going to change having a decent sense of time all right i'm not talking perfect time i'm talking about good time having the ability to be firm but flexible knowing when you got to you know maybe dig in a little more and stay more on top of it other times when you may know how to have to be able to sit on it depending what's happening with the rest of the band good sound is good sound mm-hmm. you got to have a good sound and you got to work on your touch you got to learn how to touch the instrument not i mean granted we strike it we we hit it but we have to learn how to touch it man touch the instrument i mean you know that term kick drum do we kick the instrument it's a bass drum you don't right. kick it right i mean come on let's think about when you see somebody kick a violin <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? it's a drum <laughs> we have to learn how to play it good time good sound those things go irregardless of style mm-hmm they transcend style. Yep. Some of the favorite drummers along the way are people that were so good they could play in a variety of styles and it sounded great. Guys that had great time, great ears. And at the end of the day, your sense of musicality is going to be what dictates how well or not you are uh, doing what you do. Mm-hmm. You have to have a, a, a hopefully enough facility to express your musicality but you got to let that be the the guiding force you know mind over matter soul over mind and uh over your hands you can't let your hands control what you play hmm let's talk about that a little bit musician who plays the drums talk talk about what you're saying about you can't let your hands dictate what you play well, you have to be, you have to have, there's got to be a reason why you play something. Just because right. you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. There mm. has to be a reason for it. <laughs> I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, I mean, it's when like you're you... listening to great musicians, you, I mean, if you're a drummer, you got to realize how you can get inside the music. you got to be aware of what everybody else is trying to do. you got to try to help them up there. And every situation is going to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, you play with somebody like John Abercrombie, that's different than John Schofield. That's different than Mike Stern. Stan Getz is different than Michael Brecker. Randy Brecker is different than Chet Baker. I mean, you have to be aware of these things. have to be aware of how you can help them do what they got to do. Right. One size doesn't fit all, but having a sense of musicality and big ears is something that's paramount the -hmm. better you start hearing as a musician the better you're going to start playing and the i i would i would say that the more that you do it the quicker you can adapt to each situation well you have to adapt to the situations because every situation is different i mean and every room is different every time i walk into a room i clap my hands so i get a vibe of what's the room sound like the drums guy might be the same. They sound great in one room. They sound completely different in another. I have to adapt. It's up to me. Mm-hmm. I have to be that X factor of having that flexibility. 
You know, we were talking about how do you get better at doing something? Well, you have to do it on a consistent basis. Right. I mean, it's not the kind of thing. I mean, you're not going to get better at listening if all you do is just stay in a practice room and play by yourself all day. Right. What if people don't have access to to great musicians or or they're they're sort of just coming up and they're sort of just developing and they want to become better listeners, but they don't have, you know, they don't have a guy that's 10 years their elder that can take them under their wing. Well, what do you, you suggest people do that? Somebody, you have to find a friend or a colleague, somebody. You just need one person where you right. can get together and start to interact, having a conversation. I mean, you can get together and scat sing back and forth with somebody. Mm-hmm. You can do these. And it's a social process, man. I mean, playing playing the drums is one thing, but playing music with the instrument, that's another. Right. And basically, as a drummer, you need to find people to play with at the end of the day. It's very important. Um, things are definitely changing, man. I mean... It used to be that machines were trying to sound like people. Now people are trying to sound like machines. Yeah, it's an interesting switch. It's 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 fascinating what's happening. Um, this the the things that are required now are uh, are, are changing. Um, how often is it you go into a, a a shop now and you'll see you know acoustic drums, you see electric drums. Mm-hmm. Things are changing, but you got to have somebody to do it with, man. Playing the drums, it's not an instrument you just sit down and play by yourself. Right. That's something you do like on a piano or the guitar, unless you're one of those few. I mean, you know, how many guys go out and do solo drum concerts? Not too many. Right. Very, very few. Very few. And these are also people who know how to play with others. Mm-hmm. I think you have to you have to find somebody to play with, man, and you have yeah. to have enough. Uh, you know, it's that that balance of you have to have a, enough humility and enough ego at the same time, and you got to keep them in check. Mm-hmm. You have to have enough ego to sit down on the drum throne, man. It's called a throne, yep. right? Yeah, but you yep. also got to be sitting on that throne and take care of everything with a sense of humanity and understanding of trying to help everybody out. Right. You, you got to be the king, but you got to be okay with like cleaning the bathrooms too, if you need to. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, everybody's got to be able to do everything here. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to do everything and you got to, got to play for people. You have to try to keep like some sense of harmony with a band. Right. I mean, when I'm playing with a big band or something, I got to center the band. I got to help keep that thing together. So I might not make every little hit. I may not dot every I and cross every T. But as long as I can help to center the band and land the plane and keep everybody together, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. If, if, if it feels good, and that's the thing, man, it's got to feel good. The thing I've always tried to do is I've always tried to get a good flow. All my favorite drummers, it was about a flow and a momentum and a depth in the groove. That's what I was always attracted to. Where I mean, it feels, without where it feels effortless. Well, it's supposed to be effortless, man. Right. 
I mean, no matter how intense it gets, it's never supposed to get tense. Right. But I think we've all, well, maybe you haven't, but I think that we all have uh, been in that situation where you feel like you're, you're playing and your sticks are made out of concrete and you can't play anything and everything seems like an uphill battle. And it tends, for me, it always tends to be playing with people who aren't as experienced. Well, you can't force an issue. It's like you can't control anything. Right. So you have to try to be clear with what you do. And you have to try, and it's the same thing. You have to try to bring the people together. You have to try to work with people. And you have to have that degree of flexibility with what you're doing. I mean, when you play with great people, you can play. Mm -hmm. When people don't play so good, then you got to work. Right. And the better the people are you play with, the easy it is. I mean, what's the term, man? Play. P-L-A-Y. Right. Supposed to be fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm not hey, You don't want it to be a job here. up there. I mean, you know, if you're working, work to me is everything until I get to the bandstand. Then I'm supposed to be able to have some fun. Right. But I've also done a lot of work preparing myself for this. I mm. mean, you know, the gig's an hour long, but I'm bringing in... 50 years of playing gigs to that moment. <laughs> right. So right. hopefully people, you know, hire me for what I'm going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's just important now where people, if you really want to get better at playing music with people, you got to find people to play with. You have yeah. to find somebody. Like I said, the only way you're going to get better at hearing is by listening and playing with other people right and that's something where you have to make the efforts to do it and a lot of times now people are waiting you can't wait you can't wait for somebody to come to you you got to make the efforts you have to go out you have to make yourself visible i used to go to jam sessions and i'd always ask to sit in now maybe jam sessions aren't as popular or as prevalent as they used to be but if you want it, you have to get out and do it. Right. Especially as a drummer, because, you know, we're technically, we're the people who just sit around and wait for the phone to ring. And I was never okay with that. So I, I was always the guy who went out and found things. And to me, it sounds like you are too. But I've also noticed a trend that with all the people I've had on the podcast are the same way. They don't sit around and wait for the phone to ring. They don't sit around and wait for people to call them to, to jam or to shed or whatever it is, they yeah. go out and make these opportunities happen for themselves. I mean, I've always asked that question. How do you get a gig? I say, mm -hmm. have a gig, do a good job. Right. People will hear you. Mm hmm. It's the, you know, when you sit down to play, that's people are going to hear what you bring to the music. They're going to hear what's going on. And you, of course you have to have the the proper, you know, demeanor and attitude. You have right. to be somebody who's consistent. You have to be dependable. You have to be on time. You have to, you know, just show some responsibility as a human being. Mm -hmm. And you have to want to be there. People want to know that you want to be there and feel right. that energy. Right. People feel energy, man. They can feel it. They, mm -hmm. It's very important. And what I've noticed in all of the greatest musicians, 
there's a commitment and an intention to what they do. Whether they're playing something complicated or they're playing something simple, they believe what they're doing and they're committed to what they're doing. Right. And you have to, and that word intensity, intention, focus, commitment. Mm -hmm. These things are so important, man. You don't have to play loud. You just got to be in there. I mean, you know, if somebody looks you right in the eye and they start to talk to you real soft and they're looking at you right in the eye, you know nobody's messing around here. Right. There's an intensity and a commitment to that. And you have to have that commitment too. For sure. This This is important. I mean, I think now everybody's got to try to still, there's basic things that are not going to change regardless of what's been going on with the, the technology. You want to get better at playing with people, you got to play with people. You yeah. got to find yeah. people. You got to get somebody and, you know, and get, get with them. You got to find people to play with. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. And you have to be open-minded. And you have to try to uh, maintain a positive energy in this world. Because mm-hmm. there's so much crazy stuff going on. This is the chance we can get to escape all the crazy. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> the, the funny thing is about, not the funny thing is, but the interesting thing about playing with people, uh, one, playing with people is paramount, and then playing with people who are better than you. And we, we had talked about this earlier and i was playing with sort of my peers for years in a band and then i started playing with a group that were you know 10 to 12 years older than me uh and it was um joey d francesco's brother johnny and and an organ player um rich Badessa and and paul kleinfelter and all these other people and they were some of them were 15 years my senior and uh-huh. i think in six months i learned more than i had in the previous six years right totally and but but i was thinking like okay what if you what if you can't get around these people or you can't get hired by those people and my answer has always been and i would love to hear your opinion about it. my answer has always been well then play with records that have these amazing players on it so at least you can get some sort of vibe of what it is like to play with guys at that level and try to play the tune the way that it should be played so you're at least at least getting a little bit closer to that rather than well, sitting in your, means, your house or shedding. That it's something that I'll even do occasionally now myself. I'll put on a record and I've, I try to find records that have good time and are swinging that don't have any drummers on them. Hmm. Like, and play what? along with those. There's tons of recordings by Nat King Cole, his trio, just piano bass and guitar they didn't need a drummer they're swinging Mm -hmm. i mean let's put it this way when you play with good people they don't need a drummer yeah i mean i'm not supposed to be babysitting people if people don't have good time that's their problem i'm not supposed (laughs) to babysit when i'm playing with good people i can stop and just enjoy the view right and everything is going to keep swinging without me but I'd say that's not a bad thing to do. You can do it. But I think it's good to try to find the records that don't have drums on them. 
There's records yeah. with Ahmad Jamal. There was Red Norvo. There was George Shearing. There's duo records with great piano players and bass players. There's things with Cedar Walton. There's things with Ron Carter, Kenny Barron. Find some good records that don't have a don't have drums on them. Play with those things. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense. I mean, you know, of course you try to get in with uh, records. It's fine. I mean, that was all part of the process when I was younger, too. I'd play along with the records. I'd play along with, uh, you know, I remember being 13, 14, playing along with Led Zeppelin, playing along with Black Sabbath, you know, playing along with the Motown records, playing along with the Stax records. That's all part of my Wonder Bread years. Right. That's all part of what you did. But there's there's always somebody. You got to seek them out. And you have to go out there and you have to. People will know and feel if you uh, have a degree of sincerity. Right. It's like, you know, you do this. You've got more experience than me. I'd love to play with you. I, I, this would be great for me. Can we get together? Mm-hmm. I mean, I went up to people. I told people when I was younger, hey, I want to play with you one day. I did the same thing. I guess I hired I the I hired the people I wanted to play with if I couldn't get a gig with them. Yeah, I mean, I remember when Mike Brecker made his very first solo record, and he was still playing with Steps. And I saw him, and I said, "Hey, Mike, I heard you did a record." He goes, "Yeah, man, I finally did it." And that was the first one with Charlie Hayden and Matheny mm -hmm. and Kenny Kirkland and Jack. So I said, well, man, if you're going to put a band together, I'd love to hit with you. I told him that. Right. So How did he respond to he that? Was coming around to, huh? How did he respond to it? Hey, he goes, you know, that's, uh, I'll keep that in mind. And then when he was auditioning people, I was one of the people he called. And he called some great cats. But he happened to like the way I did what he, I was doing for what he wanted to do. And I mm -hmm. ended up playing with him. I've done this with a bunch of people. And then they remember because they know you're into it, man. Right. Yep. Don't take anything for granted. Don't, you know, young people, they should not think about, oh, that's a stupid gig. No, there's no such thing as a stupid gig. It's just a bad attitude. You right. can learn anything anytime you get behind that instrument and you can play with other people. There's mm -hmm. something to learn. Nobody Always. owes anybody anything. You got to earn this along the way, man. I'm noticing people are walking around. They got to. They they think they're entitled to something, man. You got to earn this. Yep. Yep. And this this comes from the process of doing it. Where I mean, do you think that entitlement comes from? I think part of it is now that everything is so easily accessible. Yeah. I mean, you have a million things on YouTube. You have zillions of things. And granted, it's an incredible tool that we have. We have more information at our disposal than ever before. But you have to understand, things take time. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, when no you one wants to. No one stuff, wants to. This stuff takes time. It requires consistent work. I read somewhere somebody said, you know, you've got to do something at least 10,000 hours before you really have an idea about what's going on. Right. The Malcolm Gladwell uh, 10,000 hours. I believe yeah. it, man. 
You listen to all those great records made in the 50s and 60s of all those bands. You know, you hear bands like you hear James Brown, you hear Horace Silver. You know, you're, one thing is like a rock funk thing, another thing is just, these bands were working, man, every night, six yep. nights a week, five, you know, 50 weeks a year, nonstop. Yep. Yep. That and maybe some of those opportunities aren't available now. Like and maybe. They're not. Yeah. They're not. That's the thing. So you have to work and find people and you have to try to understand you're not, you can't expect it to be like that. It's, it's changed now, mm -hmm. but you have to find people that you can get with, you know, once or twice, you got to play with people, man. There's nothing like playing with a band every night. Right. That's, There's that's nothing so that replaces, what do they say? The best, the best way to get, get good at playing live is to play live. Yeah. You got to be doing it. Yeah. It's like that James Brown song, saying it and doing it. That's two different things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be talking the talk, baby. You got to be walking the walk. Yep. And y you have to realize these situations are not present like they used to be. So mm -hmm. what's happening is people are spending more time practicing than playing with other people. But you must make opportunities for yourself to d be involved in this process. Right. You have to try to do it. You have to try to find ways to do it. Because I, I don't think you can replicate that in any other manner. Mm -hmm. You're you know, not going to be able to Google experience. You're not going <laughs> to Google it. You can't. It, it doesn't come like that. It does. Can't get it on Amazon. Uh, there's a, there's a gentleman, his name's Austin Cleon and he wrote a book, uh, it's called steal like an artist, but he talks about the idea. And I love this, this theory that, you know, he says, everyone wants to be a writer, but no one wants to write. And it's sort of the idea of like, you know, every, or, or he says, everyone wants to be the noun and doesn't want to be the verb. So I see that a lot with drummers where everyone wants to walk around and say, you know, they're a professional or they're this or they're, they're that, but they don't actually want to put the work in to be that person. So they're more concerned and what I see sometimes, and I'm not saying everyone, but a lot of people are more concerned about giving off or putting out the, the illusion that they are this great player versus actually thing. becoming that great player. We have to understand something, man. With all the interviews you've done and all the incredible musicians I am so grateful to have been in the presence of and have gotten to play with, nobody that plays great needs to talk the talk. Right. Actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. Talk is cheap, man. At the end of the day, one thing is going to matter. Result. That's it. That's it, man. You know, you'd see Sonny Rollins, man, one of the greatest improvisers in the history of music. He still had a picture of Charlie Parker in his saxophone case. Still hmm. aspiring. Right. <clears throat> I was around James Moody, master musician. He'd hear some young cat play something like 
a guy who was younger, like Dave Liebman or Berganzi or Chris Potter or somebody like that or Mark Turner, and he'd say, hey, man, what do you? What was that? Show me that. <laughs> and this guy's pockets were filled with experience and wisdom, but he was open. He was still curious, man. Mm-hmm. You have to, and, and the balance of having that experience and curiosity, that to me is the thing I love. I still, you know, the people that I loved when I was younger that were inspiring to me, they're, they're still looking for it, man. I go off, I hear Jack DeJanette, he's still looking for it. Mm-hmm. I go off and I hear, uh, you know, Billy Hart, he's still looking for it. I'm sure by now you've seen all these cryptic messages from Mapex on their Instagram page about a breakthrough in versatility and sound isolation and resonance control. Well, let me tell you, I did some digging and I found out not too much, but I found out a little bit. I had a conversation with them because they're advertisers on the podcast and they literally put me on hold on the call so they wouldn't release certain information. But here's what they told me. They said, Nick, this is a new concept in drum building. It's a revolution in sound production. We're introducing six or seven groundbreaking ideas when it comes to drum building. I was blown away by that, but that's all I got. That's all I know. Don't hit me up. I don't know anymore. I told him not to tell me anymore. That's all I know. But the good thing is you can follow along. You can join in on the conversation. Head over to Instagram. Go to Mapex's Instagram account or just search the hashtag built from the sound up. I cannot wait to see what is coming down the line here in the fall from Mapex. Check it out. Built from the sound up. Hey, for all you hard hitters out there, I recommend you check out the new Promark Firegrain Drumstick. This drumstick utilizes a revolutionary heat tempering process that transforms ordinary hickory drumsticks into precision tools with unprecedented durability. They're keeping their original weight, balance, and feel, but these sticks allow drummers to hit harder and play longer naturally. There's no excess vibration, and they don't transmit any sort of vibrations into your hands. They are just natural hickory hardened by flame. Plus, they're available now in classic, forward balance, and select balance across a wide variety of sizes. Check them out by going to Promark.com. Now back to it with Adam Nussbaum. I think guys need to have gratitude, not an attitude. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm... I consider myself so fortunate, just my circumstances, you know, growing up one hour from New York City, many of my heroes, I was able to, to see, you know, firsthand, you know, people that were alive and on the scene, I was able to go and see them. I was able to sit three feet from them at the Village Vanguard, you know, these these weren't virtual. This was actual. Mm-hmm. And I, as as I look back on that time, I realize how lucky I was to be in a situation like that, where it wasn't something that was like. Um, of course, I heard these people on records and things like that. But to be in in the room and and feeling that energy and being part of that spirit. There's, there's no, there's no substitute for that. Right. Right. And, uh, so I, I, I feel very fortunate to have had those situations. You know, that's not easy if somebody's growing up in the middle of nowhere, but there's cats that do come up out of places 
and have been able to find their way and have the persistence. And I think it's also having the passion for it, man. You have to want it. Yeah. You have to want it and you have to put the time in. And you you can figure it out if you want it, right? I mean, there's a great acronym for the word time. This I must earn. I like that. I've never heard that before. Did you did you see there's a they did a this cat Brent Keith did a very good interview with me in the uh I think it was two issues ago, Drumhead magazine. Mm-hmm. You know that you should yeah, they, yeah. this guy did a very did a very uh good interview with me. Yeah, it's Jonathan Jonathan Movers magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh we talked about a lot of things that we've kind of touched on here as as well today. But I'm just uh I'm just very grateful, man. I'm, I'm very grateful. It's it's very interesting to go from being like the new kid on the block to being one of the guys who's, I'm not one of the elders, but I'm not the new kid anymore. Right, right. And I, I feel just a lot of gratitude. I was able to catch the tiger by the tail to a certain extent of getting to play with quite a few masters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it it was definitely a, a way that I got I got better by doing it, man. I got better by getting fired than when <laughs> I ever got hired. Right, right. And and I and I accepted that, and I learned through it. And that's something you have to be uh, aware of. Yeah, and I think that we all take this sign of if we don't get the gig or if we get fired, then you know. Like we think we should get every gig and we should never get fired, but it's just not, it's just not reality. It's not, you know, it's not, it'll never happen that way. Yeah. Band leaders like to make a change sometime. They like, you know, it's like a band leader. He can shift the band around. It's like, oh, I got a new girl on the, on on my roster now, you know? Right. And it may not, and you know what? Not everyone's right for every gig. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to be aware of what it is you're trying to do. And what you want to do and, and what you're into. And depending, I mean, New York is pretty brutal. They like to compartmentalize you and say, oh, you do this, you do that. He does this, he does that. Everybody wants to put you in a little niche and a little click. But when you're in a place where there aren't that many guys, you've got to have a broader sense of understanding. Mm-hmm. And, and sure. it's like, I think of like what the Boy Scouts motto was. you got to be prepared. Yep. You got to be prepared. You got to be ready. If if you're looking for a gig and you want to play with somebody, you got to know about that music. Mm-hmm. Yep. Everybody thinks they can just wing it. I mean, you got to know what's going on. You have to. You have to do investigation, man. I mean, I bring this point up a lot. We're playing the drum set, right? The instrument is maybe now about 100 years old, okay? Mm-hmm. As an instrument, okay? You hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm listening. So, the music that we're playing, basically, it's basically it's about 100 years old. Mm-hmm. The history of this music. Rhythmic-based music, not classical music. Now... If you're a classical musician, we're not dealing with a hundred years of history. We're dealing more with like four or five hundred years of history. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
we're not dealing with going back. We're not starting with Stravinsky or Bartok or Rachmaninoff. We're going back, you know, before Mahler, before Mozart, you know, Beethoven. You're going Bach, man. Way Bach. Okay. (laughs) Bach, Haydn. So if you're a serious individual that wants to play that idiom of music, you don't start with Stravinsky. Right. You don't start with 20th century music. You got to have a foundation to what's going on. So if you're serious about this, it's like I said, anybody that you're digging on, whoever the flavor of the month is now, you dig this guy, it's like, okay, where did he find his thing? Where did he find his sound? Who were his influences? Check those guys out. Who did they listen to? Check them out. Go back. Man, we're not dealing with 500 years. We're only dealing with 100 years. Right. It's not that hard to go back. Do your homework. Baby Dodds, great time, great sound. Yep. That transcends style. Did you ever hear the record where he, it's called Talking in Drum Solos? I have not. And you hear this cat talking, man, and he says, you know, he played with Louis Armstrong, right? He's one of the first Yeah, I'm very familiar with Baby Dodds, yeah. Right, you know. So he talks about on this record, and I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, all you people out there in cyber world, <laughs> talking in drum solos. He says, you got to play for the benefit of the band. And there it is. That's not That's change, it. man. Right. That's it. You, you know, people's guy goes in, I'm going to go there and kick ass. Well, you want to kick ass. You don't want to knock them down. Right. Right. Or else you'll be getting fired. You know, what's going on? The music has to tell you what to do. And you got to be smart enough and s- try to serve what th- what's going on. you got to be smart enough. Most drummers I hear now, man, they have so much ability. They have more ability than sensibility. Mm-hmm. you yep. got to think about what you're doing, man. and And more than that, Anybody can see what another guy's doing, and if you got a brain, you can figure out how he's doing it. But the big thing is, why is he doing it? Right. <laughs> yep. You know, that, I think that's the biggest part. Is like, it's one thing to do something and repeat it, or like I, I call it a lot of like copy and pasting. But there's another thing to really understand why that person played that, or why you're playing yeah. something. Why? Because you learned it. Now you can, and you can play it. So you're like, oh, I should put this into this song. Well, but it was there a reason. Did the music inform you with some kind of reason for that to be done? Right. That's the that's the X factor, and I, I think something that's important now for people to listen to is nowadays that so much of the music we're hearing isn't even actual. It's all being created. I mean, how many recordings are we hearing where it's people playing? Right. It's not much, man. I know. And I think it's important, you know, you go back, you listen to those Motown records, man. You listen to those Stax records. You listen to records where it's people playing live in the studio. Mm-hmm. You're hearing people listening, playing. Yep. Talking about getting a good time, good feel. I mean, nowadays, I think it's a 
an attribute to know how to play with a click and do things like that because that's part of what's happening now. But what about playing without one? Right, and making it feel good. And making it feel good. I mean, come on, man. There's no clicks on James Brown. There's no clicks on that. There's no clicks on... Listen to Little Richard, man. Tootie Fruity, your good golly Miss Molly. That's live in the studio, man. That's actual. Happening. And that is uh, that stuff's on fire, man. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, there, people got to listen to the real thing. Those things aren't going to change. Plus, we also have to deal with the aspects of how things have changed with the, the times we're in. I mean... I'll be honest, I, I can count on my two hands the amount of times I've been called where I have to play with a click. Right. It's not something that I do right. on a regular basis. I think it's a very good tool to have in this day and age. People usually hire me because, you know, as imperfect as I might be, they like how it feels. <laughs> right, right. And I think sometimes things should speed up and slow down. Man, you know, you, believe me. All the greatest music in history speeds up and slows down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's it's a one hundred percent. You know, some guys are completely accurate and it feels terrible. Then there's stuff that's all over the place and it feels great. You yep. want to find the nice happy medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of our favorite records rush. Some of our favorite records slow down. I mean, you know, now that you have the CD or whatever, you can hit the beginning, hit the end. You mm-hmm. try to do your best. Try to help the band not speed up and help the band not slow down. <laughs> you try, like what I said. You got to try to center a band. Yep. Got to try to help everybody. We're, I'm, I want to be part of the team. You know that word. There's another acronym. Together, everyone achieves more. Mm-hmm. You're a young drummer, man. You're trying to get your jazz together, man. Listen to great bass players play time. Because that's what your cymbal's got to do. Your cymbal's got to play with that. Right. If you're a young bass player, listen to great drummer cymbal beats, man. Listen to how guys are getting that glide going, the spittle of ding. Mm-hmm. Th- these are things you got to do. Right. I forget who I was talking to. Do you know Justin Faulkner? He's a... a uh, yeah. yeah. Wonderful drummer. And he was... Ta- and I forget who he was talking to. And it was one of the, one of the the uh, the luminaries, like one of the older cats. And he was like, "Man, I'm just I'm just trying to get my ride symbol together. <laughs> like I'm still trying to just still trying to get this ride this symbol man? together." What do they call that instrument? The ride. Yeah. You're trying to give that band a good ride. Yep. You want to get a glide on that ride. You know, I'm I'm not one of those people that uses a lot of little crash symbols. I don't like to do that. I'm trying to get the glide. It's like you you're taking the band for a ride. Do you want to crash the the band? Right. Want to keep crashing? No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep gliding, baby. Yeah. Any I symbol to feel like I a, have, like a Cadillac. I, yeah. Whatever. Any symbol I have, I should be able to ride on it or crash on it. Right. I don't want Groovis interrupt us, man. You know, when I'm thinking of time, I'm trying to think of the flow. Like when you look at a wave in the ocean, there's no mm-hmm. stopping and starting. Yep. Continuous thing. Look at somebody walk. 
we don't step one step at a time. They are one step at a time, but one flows into the next. I'm trying to get that happening. Right. I'm always thinking about, man, the depth of your quarter note. And the thing is, you got to feel, if you want to get that together, I think the thing that's necessary is you have to feel the space with the same consideration that you approach the sound. Talk about that a little bit. Well, what gives your sound its value? The space between the, the notes, not... It. Yeah. If I'm talking to you and I say something important like, well, whatever, and then I just leave a big space after I've said a point, it puts more impact on what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Yep. Listen, and, and knowing how to play the space as much as playing the sound. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, being aware of what's the space between the notes. One, two. It's not like one, two. I'm thinking like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. I'm thinking of what's in that space. Feeling that space the same way I'm thinking about the note puts puts the value on the sound. Mm-hmm. Space mm-hmm. gives sound value. The sound gives the space value. Yep. You hear it, man. A guy will be taking some drum solo, playing a million notes at some big gig, and he'll break down and hit one note and leave a big space. Everyone will go crazy. Yep. Right? <laughs> oh. That's... That's I remember watching this Steve Gadd <laughs> solo, and I I don't even remember who he was playing with, but it was in front of thirty five thousand people, and and he just starts this solo, and he plays, you know, three notes, and I'm just like, man, there. First of all, I'm thinking like this guy's got balls of steel to do that, because it's intimidating to play, you know, less and less notes, but there was just people so- are terrified of the space. Yeah, yeah, and it's like not Steve, you know. He's just like, here it is, man. I'm just gonna let it. I'm just gonna air this out for a little bit, and yes, it is man. such a statement. It yeah. is such and a if statement. You know how to pace yourself, right? You know, especially when you got a zillion people out there, and but no, knowing how to pace yourself, it's like running a marathon. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. Imp- I always think it's it's always great. You got to stop before you're finished. Meaning, yeah. you know, don't don't empty your pockets. Don't run out of ideas. You always got to have an extra gear left, man. Mm-hmm. You got to know how to pace yourself. Yeah, you can't start at ten. <laughs> no, you got to know how to pace yourself, man. You know, I play with some long-winded cats, man. I can't start to go right in there and start right in there at fourth and fifth gear. <laughs> the guy wants to keep going it's like okay baby you want to keep going i got another gear for you man we're going to be bobbing and weaving right <laughs> you have to understand that this stuff is impossible is it's 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 impossible if you empty it right away because then where are you going to go right you got you got to know how to pace yourself and steve he's he's an incredible musician everything he does is so musically oriented Mm-hmm. That's why he's on a zillion records. Right, 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 right. 
He's got great sound, great touch. He's a wonderful orchestrator. Right. Yeah, it's not, he's not on all those records because he's lucky. No, you know? luck has nothing to do with it. There's no luck here, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's a reason why he's on all those records because he yeah, sounds amazing. Look at all those guys on a lot of records. There's a reason why they're there. Right. Right. And it's not because, oh, he can do a single stroke roll faster than that guy. Nobody cares. <laughs> that's the most. That's mo not what's going to get you the gig, man. You know, unfortunately, the drums. Drums, guitar, and piano have the the issue of uh, too many notes. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to breathe to play the instrument. Yeah. Which means you need to think about it more because your playing does have to breathe. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's think of this old line, man. Fire needs air. You have no air. You got no fire. Right. This stuff that you really got to understand it. And, you know, there's people that are really into the whole aspect of the athleticism. And that's another, that's another thing. That's another story. That's something else. And I'm, I'm sure there's, and in, in the times we're living in, that's becoming more prevalent, but that's never anything that motivated me. Right. I just wanted to play with people. I was an only kid. I loved being able to play music. I had the chance to play with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've always said that there's a difference between the drumming business and the music business. Yeah. And I think that that sort of the athleticism side of things is the drumming business. And that's cool. And I think about it, like whatever gets people into drumming, great. The more drummers, the better. Uh, but well, at some I'm point you have for, to realize that that's not musicians. real. I'm looking for musicians. Right. That, that to me is what I, what I care about is, you know, somebody's ability, you know, musical sense. Mm -hmm. Man looking at a bunch of hawks that are just catching the thermals now like five of them oh yeah <laughs> and they're, they're just soaring up it's a beautiful day today man it's a little gray a little overcast but it's warm as hell it's like 67 degrees here today yeah that's we, warm for quite warm but man i'm just looking at these guys gliding here man it's like they got the flow happening right there it's inspiring to see just how smooth they are and they they're letting it they're letting the wind take them they're they're not moving at all no wing motion no flapping at all that's Woo! always cool to watch that's oh, cool man. to watch i want to sound like that yeah <laughs> exactly man exactly that is something oh yeah and and they probably can see a chipmunk down on the ground and they they got to be up about 5 600 feet hmm I'm sure they can see that chip. Like they can come down and cop lunch if they want. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I mean, I'm I'm a I'm always uh, somebody who's always keeping my ears open for for, for different things. It's it's right. fascinating to hear what's going on with the scene and, and and things like that. And I there's some very good young talented people coming out here, but the people that inspired me still continue to inspire me. Right. And, and, and I'm also, you know, having being able to be around many of my heroes, they were all uh, extremely uh, supportive to me. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful for, for their kindness and just their generosity of spirit. I guess they saw that I was, you know, that I loved it and I cared about it and they, they saw my hunger. Right. And I think what happens is when you see that, I think when they saw that in me, they remember when they were that. Sure. And because we're part of a, we're part of a continent, a, a continuum now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, there's a there's a great quote. Uh, I think it was Jack Lemon who said it, but he said that if you if you are successful in the in the business that you wanted to be successful in, then you should spend a large portion of your time sending the elevator back down. Well, and, yeah, you got. And I you agree with that. Pass it on, man. I yeah. mean, you got to try to pass it on. You got to try to be encouraging to people. You have to try to be supportive to people. You know, we got to try to be kind to people, man, especially mm -hmm. with this world and what's going on now. Yeah. I mean, we all know when, when you get to meet people, you, you all see, we all know how great a guy plays. That goes without saying. But then when you meet people, you remember how people treated you, man. Yep. They made you feel, oh, he was a sweet man. He was a good man. He was, you know, generous to me. He took time with me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm still a, 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 I'm such a sentimental fool. I still call who's left on Father's Day and wish him happy Father's Day because <laughs> I tell them, they, I say, look, man, no, you know me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we have to be grateful for the people that inspired us. I mean, you know, people built a foundation for what we do. And I, I'm, you know... I'm, I have no uh, problem giving it up to those people. And then I'm, I'm still working on the building here. You know what I mean? Right, right. But We're still under construction. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I just keep it going, you know? What's, mm -hmm. People say to me, well, what's the best thing you've done? I said, well, hopefully the next one. Yeah. You just got to keep, keep positive, man. And you got to try to be around people that... It's nice when you're around people that have a similar point of view. I mean, I was just out doing my Lead Belly project, which was great, with Steve Cardenas and Nate Radley and O'Head Talmore, two guitars, saxophones, and we're working off the music, uh, the simple songs from Lead Belly. Mm -hmm. And it was so much fun, man. Every night we're playing this music and it was going different directions every night. And the cats right. play great, but what I like is how quick everybody hears. Mm. And that was nice. And how everybody was like very focused and able to just, you know, be, be quick with their hearing and their reacting. Right, 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 right. That's, that's for me, really important. That's experience. And, you know, every night, every night was a ball. Yeah. And and we would be surprising each other, and that was fun too. Nice. And the, so these are, you, are the these are the things that are important for me. So what are um? So are you playing? Are you doing that a lot? Like, what's your what's your schedule look like? Because I want people to be able to come out and see you play. Well, let's see what's next. <laughs> this <laughs> Sunday, if anybody's around in New York, I'm playing at the Fifty Five Bar with Vic Juris and Jay Anderson. We have a steady first Sunday of every month at six p.m. 
Nice. I call it the early bird special. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if we're all in town, we convene there, and that's a lot of fun. That's a wonderful trio. Vic is a great guitarist. Jay's a wonderful bass player. We've been playing together a lot, so that's a situation that's uh, very enjoyable. Uh, then I'm going to Germany. I'm doing some work with a, a piano player over there, Johannes Mosinger. I've never played with him before. He's got about nine gigs over there. Then I got some stuff coming up later in the year in China. I've been going over there playing with a very uh, gifted young saxophonist named Gao Yang Li. And just different stuff. I'm going to do the jazz cruise in January with Randy Brecker. And uh, just different things, man. You know, just, just out here, busy. music mercenary. I like it. I like it. Enjoy where, uh, the where are your dates posted? Are they on your site? Your one of these days. <laughs> What's that? I hope to get out to the coast. I don't get out there too often. No? You don't come yeah, out for, for SF Jazz or anything? I haven't been yet. I'd love to get out there. You know, maybe I can get out there with this Lead Belly project. You know, the CD got very positive reviews, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm hoping we can do more with this group. I'm really enjoying this. Cool. And so, where uh, are your dates on your site? Is that the best way to go or best place to find them? You know, you, sometimes it's on my site, or you can find things on uh, Facebook or wherever, you know. Okay. I should be a little bit more tuned into updating my site. <laughs> well, we all should be. We all should be. So <laughs> there's too many things to, to keep track of. Uh, yeah. But Adam, I, I could do this. I could talk to you all day about this. Uh, but I want to, one, I want to thank you for your, your kindness and generosity to come on here and chat. Uh, I appreciate everything that you said. And I, I, I respect uh, your opinions very very much and so to hear it coming from you i i appreciate it and i hope that the listeners are taking a lot of the stuff that you said to heart and realizing uh maybe there's some maybe there's some different approaches or different things that they can do with their playing to make them a better musician so i thank you for that yeah it's it's my pleasure thank you for doing what you're doing you're providing a good service for the community and this is uh, one of the good things that's, uh, that you're helping to uh, accomplish. And uh, I'd say to people listening out there, try to keep an open mind. Try to stay positive. Work hard. You know, you get what you give. Mm -hmm. That's an important thing. And uh, people have come along in my life who've been uh, real... Uh, angels on this earth who've helped to inspire me and i have a, a lot of gratitude to them and i have to try to continue to perpetuate positive energy and just for some love and kindness in this world and some good quarter notes <laughs> <laughs> i dig it all right kids there you go that was adam nussbaum i hope you dug that and I 110% agree about his thoughts on experience and the way that you get it is by, you know, I was saying earlier in the podcast, the way that you get experience playing live is by playing live. And that is that is the God's honest truth. And not only that, when I started playing with those people like Johnny DeFrancesco and Glenn Farrakhan and Paul Kleinfelter and Pat Bianchi and all these other people, Rich Bedessa, they're 
all older than me, more experienced than me, and my playing skyrocketed. And I think one of the main takeaways from this episode is you got to get around people, one, who you can play with, and then two, you got to try to get around people who are better than you. And I said before, if you can't get around them, if you're not getting hired by them, then hire them to play because most people are hired guns and consider it an investment. So if there's an organ player or a guitar player or, or anyone that you want to play with and they're not hiring you, then go hire them. Spend a couple hundred bucks. Look, can you do my gig? I'll pay you really well. And you start to develop a relationship with them. I think that's a really, really good way to get around people who have a lot more experience than you do. So I hope you dug that episode. I know that I did. And please send me your comments. And if you dig the episodes, if you dig the podcast, please leave a rating or a review on iTunes. That helps it show up higher in the search results. And I do appreciate that. Plus, it lets people know that this podcast is a good podcast to listen to. So with that, I'm checking out. (laughs) All right. Until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.